0: Hello, this is Pixelated Playgrounds, a gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games. I'm Josh Galecki.
1: And I'm Brian Skirsha.
0: And today we're talking about Dave the Diver.
1: Developed and published by Mint Rocket, it was released in June of 2023 for Mac and Windows and later had a Switch version released as well in 2023. And we will be talking some spoilers, so heads up if you're sensitive to that. So Josh, Um, I think we're mostly playing this because uh, I began playing it uh, on my Steam Deck quite heavily over the course of the summer. Uh, It was a very, uh, probably the first Steam Deck game that I played on the deck itself. Great game on the Steam Deck, by the way.
0: What a great summer game, too. Yeah, when this game first came out, um, it was also kind of making the rounds in the, I don't know, the zeitgeist of the gaming circles I hang out in, too. Uh, And I think it was really interesting. Looking at the game, too, I really thought it was an indie game. Uh, But as, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about in the dev info, that might not be true.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's not necessarily the spoiler I had in mind, but you're absolutely right. Um, Mint (laughs) Mint Rocket is a a subsidiary of Nexon. Nexon, who you may remember from certain titles such as MapleStory or Dungeon Fighter Online. Um, which are Dungeon Fighter Online. I think we brought this game up in our Pokemon podcast as one of the top grossing video game franchises. It is $20 billion at revenue franchise.
0: Yeah, that's certainly the highest grossing video game franchise I've never heard of before. But really I, mean, <laughs> I yeah, I looked this up, uh, looked this up online for the podcast doing a little research, and Dungeon and Fighter came out in two thousand and five and has grossed over twenty billion dollars. So Nexon, the publisher, who is, you know, also the off uh, Mint rocket is a first party of them, they've made like a billion dollars a year over the last couple of decades, at least. Yeah,
1: so big brand, big company. Um, I I, I think you may have noticed I called it Dungeon Fighter Online. You called it Dungeon and Fighter. That is just the American versus Korean um, nomenclature for the same game.
0: At the same time, though, this was a big shift from them. Like, they're heavy hitters. Everything in their lineup is like a big MMO sort of thing or an online multiplayer sort of thing. And this is uh, not just single player, but a very different type of game, too.
1: Yeah, Uh, so Nexon actually formed Mint Rocket, which they called a sub-brand or division that specialized on games which, as they quote-unquote said, focused on the essence of fun. Um, I'm not sure what they were doing before, but uh, (laughs) yes. (laughs) I mean, yeah, this is a fun game, so uh, mission accomplished, at least from my perspective.
0: Oh, absolutely. But yeah, like I thought this was an indie game when I first saw it for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think there's the pixel art aesthetic, which, by the way, this game is gorgeous. Uh, top to bottom here. Um, but pixel art tends to be like a, um indie dev choice. Uh, also, the subject matter of the game, of being a scuba diver, is very different than what you see before. You're not like out there on a quest to slay goblins or whatnot. You're like, I want some sushi.
1: Yeah, so it, it kind of just gets off right on that extremely chill foot right from the start. Um, Dave gets a call from... Uh, his investor pal Cobra. Um, guess which of these is the chill one and which is the high strung capitalist type? Um, Weapons dealer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Dave decides hey, yeah, I'm going to go um, meet up with my buddy Cobra out in this mysterious blue hole um, out in an uh, atoll out in the Pacific and start a sushi restaurant because apparently fish from all over the world are congregating in this one place. Um, mysterious. Or- Mysterious indeed, but also has its roots in other fiction. Um, I listened to an interview with a developer who said that this was inspired by a manga called Blue Hole and also the very famous manga One Piece. Um, so, hmm. yeah, there's definitely some some inspirations out there with uh, some other notable works. And uh, you mentioned that most of this game or this developers or rather the parent company this developer's background is in MMOs. Most of this team's background is in mobile dev which I think is interesting because there's definitely some roots in there in that regard as well.
0: Oh, definitely. I see. I actually think of this as more strongly a casual game than an indie game for different things we're going to talk about, but I also think that when you're marketing yourself on Steam, that is sort of like leading with your chin. I think um, casual might be one of the top five tags, which are the most important ones for the game on their Steam page.
1: Really? Like you're saying that that is going to help you reach a larger audience when you put casual in your title as a tag?
0: Oh, Steam hates the average Steam user hates casual. Um, You might as well make a puzzle game for as many people are going to play it if you call it (laughs) casual.
1: So if you make a casual puzzle game, you're just kind of you're really you're in the wrong marketplace (laughs) if you're looking to
0: make a buck. I mean, I appreciate people absolutely who are like, I wanted to make this game. This is the game I made. Come be, come, come with me. Um, but if you are trying to like bring a casual title like a match three or something to the Steam uh, marketplace, it's not going to do good. You're putting a hard limit on your um, what you can, who you can reach. Which I think Dave the Diver has broken.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would, I would say Dave has has broken the paradigm of the the casual game because you're right. Like there's there's a lot of casual game hooks here, but. What I think it does most successfully is iterate on that, and it layers in just so many different ideas. And maybe Mm -hmm. a lot of them are casual game ideas, but when you put enough casual game ideas of different types together, it becomes somewhat less casual.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It does, it does. And they just had so many systems and layers like i felt like every couple of days you'd come across a new one until i got stuck looking for a shipwreck that uh, didn't exist anymore but that's getting ahead (laughs) of ourselves here
1: oh another another situation where you found a way to beat the game in your own special way (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah to to that end um let's talk a little bit about this game and and its loops you know we've already talked about the setup dave comes out starts a sushi restaurant one of the the Things about this sushi restaurant he starts is there is a famous chef or rather a formerly famous chef who is going to be running the restaurant for Cobra and Dave who are running sort of the operations and product procurement as Dave is a diver. So you have Bancho, the sushi chef, Cobra, the boat slash restaurant owner person, and Dave, your intrepid diver who uh in every day gets two chances to dive into the blue hole and come out with some fish
0: mm-hmm. you get your morning dive and your afternoon dive uh and then at night you go to the sushi shop um i thought this two dives a day thing was great there's a lot of objectives that were gated around like you have to do this during a day um mm-hmm. and if you focus on doing that you might worry about the sushi restaurant and making sure you have enough supplies for that or for whatever customers coming through or what have you so by having two dives a day it was a pretty elegant way to say yes you have plenty of time during the day to get the fish you need get the materials you need and also advance the storyline
1: Yeah, speaking of advancing the storyline, as you mentioned, this game has a habit of just introducing a new character, or a new mechanic, or a new idea for what you're going to spend the day doing with every single dive, or every single iteration, uh, or, you know, if the game's split into three parts per day, every single part of the day has something new to offer you, probably for the first, I don't know, at least 15-20 play sessions. You know, I feel like they were just coming at you fast and hard with the mechanics, the characters, the story progression. Um, It's a really good tutorial in terms of introducing a lot of things in a pretty quick, but not necessarily overwhelming way.
0: My gosh, can we talk about the phone? Yeah,
1: (laughs) that phone. So you have a cell phone, and I actually wrote down all of the things on the cell phone, um, because that's kind of the main way this game starts serving up different mechanics for you. So it starts off pretty simple, right? You have... um, your weapon shop or your uh your diving shop run by cobra you have cooksta which is basically an instagram equivalent where you're monitoring the status of your restaurant but very quickly you know aside from your simple call and mail apps you get a to-do app which is your quests a weapon shop app which is for the weapon shop owner guy who we'll talk about again a calendar with your quests a management thing with which you can manage your restaurant and its staff uh, a fish-finding app, a weather app, a music app for all the soundtracks you're unlocking, a mini-games app. It is just an absurd amount of things.
0: Don't forget about the Pokédex, which they say, don't <laughs> say the forbidden word when, like, a middle-aged and overweight Ash Ketchum comes up to you on a boat.
1: Yep. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it, the cell phone, like, I, I, you know, you can see all the spots where there's apps either missing or still locked, and you're like, oh, I wonder when that's going to come up. But... um it is really something, and, and usually each app is sort of roughly corresponding to a character. So we've already talked about, you know, Cobra, who's the investor. He's got a strong personality. He'll sell you, um, you know, equipment for your dives. Um Boncho, the head chef. I, I equate him with sort of the restaurant side of things. So he's the cooksta person, right? Like he is interested mm-hmm. in raising the prestige of the restaurant. But then you get like Doctor Bacon, the archaeologist, who is giving you what I would consider most of the mainline quest of this game are sort of driven by the archaeology aspect, at least up to where I got. And, and then it, it pivots, but I won't talk about what it pivots to quite yet because it's a, it's an interesting twist. Um, But yeah, there's like a biology student who will tell you, as you said, to uh, collect them all in terms of the fish. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, there's like a a photographer who will have you taking pictures of all of the various fish in the ocean. There's just they, they continuously introduce ideas and mechanics and systems and stuff to do. And it makes the fact that you have two dives instead of one per day still feel like you have to prioritize what exactly you want to pursue on a given run.
0: No, I agree with that. I I think it's very interesting that they chose to use a phone as the kind of like the way that the UI of the game is delivered to you. Uh, first, it's great with so many uh, so many different systems in the game. The phone provides a great way to organize all of those. And also it feels very... I'm going to say modern, even though smartphones have been a thing for a decade and a half at this point, but (laughs) I'm trying to think of another game that has done this, your phone is the UI thing, and I think I'm coming up short.
1: Okay, well, um, I have several, but mostly because they do this a lot in mobile games, uh, which I know you don't have a ton of (laughs) I know you don't have a ton of experience with, but I do. Um, A lot of mobile games do this. They'll use a phone interface or some other like phone like interface where they have all of these icons and different things you can check in on. So this was like I totally like immediately clicked with this just because I've seen this in a lot of different places, a lot of different ways. But here's the thing is this is a Dave the Diver is a phone game, minus all the phone game bullshit. Um, There's no, like, ads every 20 minutes. There's no break for ads after every run. There's no, you know, uh, do this microtransaction to make sure you can get enough gold from selling your fish to get the next upgrade. Like, I can see every single place they could have slotted in some phone game bullshit, and they did not, Um, because this is not a phone game. It just has all of the phone game trappings.
0: Hmm, and maybe that's what people say... When I think like, oh, this game looks casual, it looks like I associate that heavily, particularly with the mobile market, rather than like a bejeweled or peggle type of casual.
1: Phone game takes on an entirely different connotation in today's day and age because there's a very set way of monetizing a game. No matter how good it is, there is a way for monetization to creep in and put some friction between you and what is ostensibly like a really nice, good experience. And that's just kind of like the the way the mobile market operates these days to a large extent. Don't get me wrong. There are still great premium games on iOS or Android or what have you. Um, they're just fewer and far between than uh, the latter or, the you know, the other option, which is to say things that are monetized to hell and back.
0: I will say one of the things that uh, the mobile market is known for is the creation of compelling loops. And then, because the more compelling your loop is, the more ads you can stick in between, the more friction you can introduce <laughs> and the more money you can make. So they really got to focus on a certain type of compelling that I think, um, you know, get. Ga- all games want to be engaging but there's that certain kind of like i'll call it like the relentless assault of upgrades and everything but Mm -hmm. it's like okay here's a new unlock here's a new unlock here's a new unlock oh you were bored well check this check out the fish farm now check this out over here and obviously dave the diver doesn't they're like what if we had the compelling loops without the the phone game bullshit as you say
1: yeah, so here's the thing: is like it, it uses all of the psychological tricks that phone games or mobile games or casual games of, of any stripe will use to get you hooked, but then it follows that up with just continuing to explore the depth on the other side of that, right? Like they they use that as a platform to uh, put an interesting adventure game in. Like this is, to my mind, kind of three games slammed into one, and we've talked about one of them the most. It's the the diving RPG slash, you know, farming for fish aspect of it. Uh, And we really even haven't touched too much on that. But there's also a restaurant management aspect of it. And there's also an adventure game aspect to it. I would say those are sort of the three pillars of this game to me. Mm -hmm. Managing the restaurant, diving for the fish and upgrading your stuff through that, and then pursuing the story and quests that are sort of teaching you more about the um, the blue hole and everything that's going on there with it sort of changing ecology and semi-randomized layout
0: we should talk about the um the sushi house a little more because i thought that was a really clever and really, really well done little area
1: yeah so uh, i totally agree with you because once you come up from your dive after having say harpooned a few fish in the shallows and you know taken their uh their fresh fish back up to uh, Bancho, your sushi chef. You go to Bancho Sushi, your restaurant, and it is a vibe. Um, <laughs> you get to set the menu from the fish you caught. You know it starts off pretty simple. You get sashimi, uh, obviously. That's all you got. You got some fish. What are you going to make? You're going to make sashimi. Um, so you get to uh, basically choose what you're going to serve on a given day. People will filter in and out, and at the beginning of it, Dave is the he is the only person on the floor. Right? He is. Bringing the food from bancho over to the customers, clearing their plates, pouring them green tea, and uh, basically doing everything. But uh, well, kind of doing it all.
0: <laughs> I did love that little tea pouring mini game. It's like a mini game within a mini game, almost like uh, The way they have a sushi house is um, kind of like this single dimensional restaurant dash sort of thing, where you go from the chef along a single line along the bar. And bring plates to the customers, take plates away, um, get what they ordered, bring them green tea, uh, varied enough that it keeps you busy.
1: Yeah, and I I like um, that it, it sort of ramps up in interesting ways, too, because just as you're starting to feel like I cannot keep up with how popular my restaurant is, I, Dave, alone cannot do this. They introduce a character who will let you hire staff. And you can get yourself a sous chef for Bancho to prepare more sushi. You can get yourself additional servers to help Dave bring the sushi to the patrons. Um, And they will also help you with things like uh, shredding the fresh wasabi and uh, clearing away the plates or uh, making sure that tips are coming in and being collected. Um, So all of your staff have stats, too. So there is just sort of this virtuous cycle of, like, upgrading your restaurants, getting more money, hiring more staff, serving more patrons, getting even more money, and so on and so forth.
0: Upgrading Um, your staff later on, too, so they unlock new skills.
1: mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all of this is in service of kind of one of the main things of this game. You know, I think each of the pillars of the game that I talked about, those three pillars, have their own sort of quote-unquote main quest going along with them and bancho at bancho sushis is to raise the prestige of his restaurant through that cooksta app and after a little while you will get vip customers who will uh come in and uh, bancho will have a specific idea about how to impress them and all of these characters are very funny and interesting like you have um Michael Bay, who is a uh, clearly a Michael Bay uh, knockoff. He's a famous director for his explosions. <laughs> I mean, th- this game is very clever writing. If we we hadn't, I don't think we've mentioned that yet. But this game's writing is charming.
0: They have a whimsical sense of humor too. There was one point where I was able to hire a Velociraptor as a server at the restaurant. <laughs> really good speed stats. Really bad uh, at shredding wasabi, like tiny arms, you know? Yeah,
1: sure. And yeah, probably a, a terror run actually getting dishes over to people. But that's hilarious. Um, yeah, I, um, I I really like this game's sort of sense of humor. And it's, um, sort yeah, as you said, sense of whimsy. Like, it's a very charmingly written game. I would say it is like a cozy game without the twee aspects of it. Like, it's just kind of a chill game, maybe.
0: I do like how they tied the sushi aspect of it back to the fishing, the diving aspect of it as well. Um, There's the very basic thing of the fish you catch are your options for what you make that night. But there's also ways that you uh, need to... Get specific things like the VIP customers. They are foreshadowed. Like they show up and they're like, I will return in two nights and you (laughs) must find one white octopus and one soy sauce, Uh, which was fine. It's like an extra quest for something for you to do while you're diving, which was nice. Um, But also the the leveling up of the dishes in the restaurants was really interesting to me because the way they had the menu setting of the restaurant, if you just had, like, one really high value fish, you only had a limited number of slots on your restaurant menu for the night. So if you had a one high value fish, is it worthwhile putting it out there to get some tons of money or do you want to, like, have something that you have more fish so you can serve more customers that dish? So, there was a balancing act. I thought it was really interesting, too, how to level up your dishes so they make more money. It costs you the fish or the raw ingredients of that dish, which introduces even more scarcity to those ingredients.
1: Right. So, if you're catching a ton of yellowtails, for example, you're, you know, maybe you're like, oh, well, I can either serve a lot of yellowtails or I can, you know, upgrade my yellowtails and serve less of them. But every Every single night from there on out, the yellow tail will be better, and it'll mm-hmm. you know net me more money. And I, I agree with you. Uh, this reminded me of a lot of sort of mobile sh- slash gotcha game mechanics that I've seen in the past. Um, they call these feeding games, I think, where basically you are feeding a similar item into another item to make it stronger. Hmm. Um, so, like, say you get like a bunch of swords. Uh, but you have another of the same sword, you combine them all together and that sword becomes more powerful. It's kind of how this menu works. Like, yeah, you have enough yellowtails, your yellowtails can all combine and, you know, there on your yellowtail is better. On top of that, you not only get to continue to serve your simple sashimi, but as you unlock additional uh, levels of your cooksta and find additional ingredients, you can unlock entirely new dishes that combine not just the fish, but other things you're finding in the world as well.
0: Oh, for sure. There's treasure chests that have, like, seaweed and white vinegar in them at the bottom of the sea, which, sure, why not?
1: There's a reason for that, though. Remember? There was uh, the the ship that capsized.
0: Oh, of course. Uh, Carrying all the endless soy sauce bottles. Now, one of the things I liked about this feeding mechanic, as you call it, is that when I was diving, um, I would remember what my higher level dishes were. And if I pat, I think blue tang was one of my like higher dishes. So I'd be diving around. I'm like, Oh look, there's some fish over there. Those are, that's my money maker. I'm going to get those guys right now. (laughs) So it's like, uh, I was diving. I had an objective. I was going to that objective, but it created a compelling, uh, reprioritization for me i'm like okay i gotta take this little side quest over here and go fishing for me give me some blue tang
1: yeah i think that that makes sense and you know i'm sure uh dave was thinking the same thing he like oh yeah this sells well i'm gonna get i'm gonna make sure i get some of these (laughs) um and you know it definitely it takes after a little while once money becomes less of a concern and you have your first like multi-thousand dollar night Um, Money takes a bit more of a backseat as you have the upgrades you need and and stuff like that. And you start to seek out a little bit more of what's going on with regards to the diving quests that you're getting. Because I think to me, this is kind of the main thing that's keeping you busy. You know, we mentioned you get two dives per day, which is, I think, a nice sort of generous accommodation for the player. Um, There's another generous accommodation that I want to talk about with regards to the diving though. And it's that Uh there's no time limit just an air limit.
0: Mm, very different.
1: Yes, there are ways to refill your air. Um, at the at the shallow levels, you can refill it by finding uh, air canisters that are discarded probably from that capsized ship or, you know, mana from heaven, who knows. But um, down below, you will find uh, air pockets inside of seashells, you know, large oyster shell type things. So you're kind of after a little while at least and enough upgrades you're never limited by air unless you're like getting hurt which is another sort of nice streamline that they did they made air equal health so you're kind of only managing one resource for how long you're staying down aside from your carry limit which is usually how i ended up deciding when to return to the surface
0: same here i'll point out that stamina was in that air too you can swim faster at the cost of going through air more quickly. So yeah, you had your, this is what I need to stop from getting to zero stat. And you had your, this is how much I can carry stat, which was perfect for the game. Yeah, I think like um, fairly early on, I realized I could stay down in the depths as long as I wanted to, which kind of changed the, at the beginning I was like all subnautica about it. Like, oh, I can't stray (laughs) too far from the surface. But then you realize, oh, I actually can
1: yeah you can and there there are so many accommodations we already talked about the fact that like air ceases to be a reason to not stay down after a while um and you after you have enough of it and if you're careful enough with not getting hurt that ceases to be a reason too um time is not a thing so what what are you choosing besides to go up with regards to your weight limit well i have to navigate all the way back up oh no you don't. There are, escape, <laughs> there are escape pods strewn about all over the uh, the blue hole. Basically they will lower like a bathysphere for you and haul Dave up. Where they're keeping that bathysphere on that tiny little tugboat that uh, uh, Cobra has? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I did love the little animation they would play when you went up in the bathysphere. It's just like you're not loading the screen, you're depressurizing. Yeah. <laughs> and Dave's sitting there reading some book. It's yeah. very charming,
1: and depressurizing is actually a really good word for it because, you know, maybe you're like coming out after like a pretty harrowing fight with a w- great white shark, and you know you made it out by the skin of your teeth or you're hauling up a huge pile of fish and you're heaving and hoeing as you're trying to get out of there. and depressurizing's <laughs> a good word for it, you know.
0: <laughs> oh, do you know you know why they call it that, right? Yeah,
1: of course, because, you know, they don't want to get the bends, and they actually are depressurizing and releasing the gas from within good old Dave's blood vessels so he doesn't uh, die. <laughs> That's good.
0: That would be less cozy, I think.
1: Yes, yeah, so we would be having an entirely different type of game here, more of an iron lung situation. Hmm. Um, <laughs>
0: So when you're diving, one of the things you do maybe the most often is you go fishing. You have your harpoon gun, which I really like the mechanics for this. Um, you're able to aim your harpoon gun, I think, 30 degrees plus or minus from the horizontal. And you fire it out, uh, catch a fish. If you hook the fish, you can bring it in. There's some Sometimes there are quick time events or if it has a lot of health, like a shark, then you need to stab it a whole bunch of times in order to get it. Um, or shoot it. Or shoot it. Yep. Another way to, another way to go about it. Because uh, you don't just have your harpoon thing. Um, you have side equipment. You have firearms. You have all sorts of things you can find on the way. Like, I found a katana, I think, at one point. You can get <laughs> stun baton. Things like that. Like Because um, you have a melee weapon, too, that starts off as a knife. But every time you go down there, um, you have to select your starting gun, but you can find more things, including like harpoon tips as well.
1: Yeah, I think this is really interesting because they they give you kind of a wide variety of things to work with, but you also get tools, which we didn't mention yet. Um, these can range from things that improve your mobility, like a, um, like a little hand um, water jet that you can tool around with to go faster without expending your air, to things like proximity mines or... Um, a UV light that will allow you to shine it on certain flora and fauna to make them retract into the surface so you can go in narrow tunnels and stuff like that. Hmm. So all kinds of interesting um, tools to be found down there aside from just your katanas and upgrades to your weapons. Although there is nothing more satisfying than shotgunning a shark.
0: (laughs) There you go. You heard it here first.
1: Uh, It is worth mentioning, though, if you do decide to shotgun too many of your... Um, fauna that you are hoping to bring back and serve, their quality will go down. So nobody wants to eat bullet-ridden sushi. Um, It's true. (laughs) It is generally preferable that you use either that harpoon or a net gun, if you have gotten such a thing, to capture fish that you can do so with those types of tools um, rather than riddling them with machine gun fire.
0: I really did enjoy the fishing aspect of this game. Like I know we recently played the game Dredge, which was also another fishing game. The fishing in that game was more of a timing-based mini game, kind of based around circles in a different way. I felt like the fishing here felt more dynamic, maybe like more interesting. Uh, it it didn't feel like such a done deal. Based maybe off of the fish movement, like it slows down, gives you kind of a bullet time for your harpoon gun a little bit. Uh, But the fishing just felt better. I, I enjoyed the fishing more in this game than I think I did in Dredge. I have two
1: notes on that. I would say that I liked the act of trying to catch the fish in terms of, as you mentioned, sort of stalking the fish down and hitting it with a harpoon you know, the shooting of the fish is more fun. The mini games that it has you do when you're trying to catch it, actually, I liked less because, for the most part, in Dave the Diver, it's just either rail on the A button until it re- the meter reaches the top, um, uh, flick the stick back and forth uh, to fill up a similar meter. Um, and those to me were not as interesting as some of the sort of more circle-based ones in dredge. But to your point, like there's an entirely new dimension on Dave's fishing mechanic. You're not just a la dredge pulling up and dropping your your line. You are finding the fish, getting, the, getting its health down, and then getting it to a point where you can instigate that catching mechanic. Um... The one caveat I do have to that is that at the lower levels of the game, maybe I was just underpowered or didn't upgrade my stuff properly, but I felt like the fish had way too many hit points before they allowed you to do the catching mechanic. Um, I found myself harpooning a fish like six times before it would allow me to do the catch action, (laughs) which was a little weird.
0: The quick time events that you're referring to like the mash the A button, they get easier as the fish's health gets lower. I'm wondering if they introduce them too early like, "Oh, you're not going to catch this fish." Or maybe if you like to- turbo charge on that A button, maybe you could make it, but I feel like that's not the vibe this game is going for, getting this fish just harpooning a couple more times because the <laughs> sound effects they have for these quick time events are Less chill than the rest of the game.
1: Yeah, they they are effective, but to your point, they're, like, urgent. Like, the, the most urgent thing in this game, like, there are two sort of pulse-pounding situations. One is if you manage to get your air low enough and you're, like, trying to bring a big haul back. Um, the other is, yeah, like, trying to just catch a fish. And that, <laughs> that, that is weird <laughs> that they, like, make such a rote thing, such a, you know, uh, blood-pressure-rising aspect of play.
0: Actually, a bit of a misstep for the game, like, against what its theme and ethos is a little.
1: Yeah, and, you know, here's the thing, is, like, maybe they are trying to tell you something with that. Like, maybe you shouldn't be spearing and shooting the shit out of the fish that you find, and instead maybe use a net or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what they're trying to say with that, but as you said, might just be a misstep. I'm, I'm try- probably being a little too generous there. Regardless, there are more things down uh, once you are diving than just fish for catching. There are quests for doing. There are, um, you know, I think the most prominent one that comes to my mind is the archaeological aspect of that, the quests. There's Basically, an ancient civilization that is in the waters beneath this blue hole that uh, your archaeology buddy, um, Dr. Bacon, tells you to go <laughs> down and uh, check out. Always a good, good thing to see Dr. Bacon come up to you in his little <laughs> cigar boat and be like, "Hey, I'm a rich professor from who the fuck knows where. Go down there and uh, defile some ancient ruins for me, will ya?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just say it belongs in a museum, and you're you're <laughs> off scot-free. <laughs>
1: Basically. But yeah, um, you know, spoiler warning in effect as of right now. Eventually, you end up finding out that this blue hole is home to a race of sea people, aka merfolk. Um, and you end up going on, you know, they become sort of the quest givers of the latter half of the game.
0: Now, I didn't get too far in the quest for this. Um, my own particular uh, black beast in this game was the pink shipwreck that I think had some <laughs> drone parts. I must have gone down 10 or 12 times and I have never found this. Um, <laughs> and I think for me, my interest in the game eventually petered out as I kept not finding this and kept not advancing the story. Cause I feel like the story also is a very gradual, um, gradual telling too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's true. This This game isn't meant for you to like beeline it, right? Like you are supposed to have like several runs in a row where you're just sort of getting your sushi restaurant into shape, um, you know, accumulating some cash to do some upgrades to your equipment and your restaurant. Now, we didn't mention it, but you can customize the entire interior of Bancho Sushi to your, your liking and your mm. aesthetic uh, preferences, which is awesome. But uh, to your point, if you're This game's uh, diving situation is also semi-randomized, so if you find yourself in Josh's shoes and you don't know where to look for a given quest marker, you can't just systematically map everything out. Um, Or you can. I think there's like maybe a set number of different randomizations they have, but it's not easy to keep track of. So I feel like they could have possibly done a better job if they see you perhaps struggling with clearing a specific quest, because... There's enough content here that they don't need you to just grind away on something, you know?
0: (laughs) No, I kind of agree with that. I feel like the strength of this game was that all of its systems add up to this or that. Uh, But I feel that when I wasn't able to find that shipwreck over so many repeated attempts, it felt like I was having to grind again. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, well... Since I can't find the shipwreck this time, I can try to upgrade the sushi restaurant. Okay, another sushi restaurant day over here. Okay, sushi restaurant, sushi restaurant. (laughs) And sure, I got a pretty baller restaurant at the end of it, but I feel that, I don't know, like I wasn't... You
1: wanted to see the other stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, like uh, I wanted to know what was going on. I feel like it was missing that uh, layer that was the top level arc of everything.
1: No, I, I'm with you. Like, I think this game is more than a sum of its parts, but it does require all of the parts to be there. So if you're, like, missing the, the quest progression aspect of it, like, with just the fish gathering, diving RPG and upgrade path, along with the management sim, like, this wouldn't feel like a full game to me. So, like, they clearly, like, the questing aspect, which, to my mind, is absolutely needed and probably the strongest part of the game, um, if you're missing that, as you were... I could easily see burning out on this way faster as opposed to what it is you know in its holistic view which is uh, as i said way more than the sum of its parts all these things feed into each other in such an elegant way so you know i'm sorry that that kind of happened for you that way because that's a bit of a bummer to have the game sort of self-destruct itself on you there
0: (laughs) it also throws off the pacing of the game in a big way too like how they drip feed you all these new systems and mechanics those are all gated behind the storyline of it too so once you stop project uh progressing in the story then you stop getting access to those new things like when you mentioned there's a fish farm i'm like oh hey look at that (laughs) not something i've seen
1: and and it's it's interesting because like this game introduces along with pretty much every one of those mechanics a primary character that is responsible for interacting with you about it so like we've talked about cobra the guy who you're purchasing your diving stuff from extremely entertaining and fun character Boncho, obviously core to the sushi restaurant extremely entertaining personality um the weapon specialist duff this like otaku, <laughs> like anime fan guy is hilarious. Probably one of the better characters, honestly.
0: I always um, loved his cutscenes.
1: Yeah, we haven't even mentioned the cutscenes, but boy, we should circle back to the art style of this game and how varied it is, because they do incredible stuff with pixel art cutscenes in this game. Um, oh, for
0: sure! Like the animations on those, just so good. Uh, I've I'm trying to think of pixel art animated cutscenes that I've seen that have been like objectively better than these, and I'm not sure if I can come up with any.
1: Yeah, I got nothing. Um, like, I've never seen a game that blended, like, and I guess sort of just taking a gigantic tangent here, the whole art style of this game is kind of fascinating because we talk about the pixel art aspect, but it's also a hybrid 2D, 3D environment that you're working in as well. And this comes into play in a big way later. Um, but uh, there is a lot of depth to the pixel aesthetic that they're putting on the screen, right? Like, all of it is ostensibly pixel art up close, but there are multiple layers behind it, and you can see, like, fish swimming around in the background, or um, plot events such as a kraken sort of affecting the background in a given scene when you're underwater, and then when you eventually get to the underwater city of the people, that is literally, like, a two-layered settlement so you will have the front layer and then you take a portal to the back layer and you can you know have all of this operating at the same time so there's a lot more going on with this game's art style than i initially thought and then you layer in these cutscenes that we were just referencing as just sort of a i don't know a flex on how good these people are at, at, at like pixelated cinematography i don't know it's really something
0: like uh the um duff's uh, the weapons guy, his cutscenes were amazing, but also Boncho's. I think Boncho's were just as good. You just see them so many more times so many if you times, cycle yeah. through the. I don't know what do they got eight or nine different uh, cutscenes there. You're like, okay, oh, it's this one with the uh, the. He's like a samurai sushi chef sort of thing. Like <laughs> they take a lot of cues from uh, samurai animes and movies and cinematography and all that for our boy Boncho, which was fantastic. Uh, what you were talking about? With the diving, though, one interesting thing with the pixel art was like, there's pixel art in the game. Like Dave is pixel art, but a lot of the things in the environment are 3D, but with low-res pixel art textures. So it has a 3D effect to it. But if you look at a screenshot, you wouldn't necessarily know that. Or if you just look at it at a moment, it's like, uh, oh, this is uh, It's not something I've really seen so much before, but they did it so well.
1: Yeah, it's, it's blended together and it does, it doesn't feel like, um, it doesn't feel out of place. You know, sometimes when you have two conflicting art styles in one scene, like it is meant to feel like these are things that are sitting on top of the environment or it is meant to sort of push a certain aspect of the scene forward, like characters, for example. Um, and this all like felt of a piece, uh, for lack of a better phrase to describe it. And, yeah, I, I don't have as good of a vocabulary for it as you do as an actual pixel artist, but that was my feeling of it, at least.
0: One thing I will use that vocabulary for right now is pointing out how much I love the colors of this game. Like you said, this you started playing this game at the beginning of the summer, which seems like the perfect time to play it. This game felt <laughs> like a tropical vacation.
1: Yeah, it, it really does. It's lovely. Um, like the, the islands, uh, the blue hole above with... Um, bancho sushi and the boat in the foreground the the shop in the background the crystal blue water and the atoll Islands surrounding it is just stunning and gorgeous to look at um as you go down the blues get lighter to darker to deeper to purples to more earth tones to all of a sudden something entirely different as you get to the merpeople civilization and beyond that, uh, even more different uh, different things, which I'll, I'll refrain from mentioning since you haven't even seen them. And um, you're pretty far into the game at that point. So uh, I'll let folks discover it for themselves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, you watch the trailer for this game and you see the Kraken or you see some what looks like okay, this is a boss right here in one way or another. Uh, but that's not something I came across in my shorter playtime. I think I'm about eight hours into the game. Uh, so I wonder if...
1: So you didn't, you didn't run into, like, a boss with, like, a, a name card that flashed up on the screen or anything like that? Nope. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's talk bosses real quick then, because there are many in this game. And when you're down diving, um, all of a sudden you will get, like, a screen dividing name card pop up like a la a fighting game or you know a dark souls boss where you'll have a name appear the person's introduced and the health bar appears and usually they have fairly novel mechanics associated with them like you're not just shooting them with a the harpoon for the most part um you have to find a clever way to dispatch them and they all are related back to the story as well for the most part so interesting stuff going on with this game's combat outside of just um the fish
0: yeah you don't really have a lot of high intensity fish combat oh you know i might have had one boss in uh the sea people's room when you first find their artifact i think there was a fight there or something but honestly it's been a couple of months since i was at that point so maybe That's not. Fair.
1: Eh, i wouldn't worry about it too much but yeah the bosses in this game are uh cool and varied and there are um sort of non-story related ones as well there are your wandering bosses but also your story driven ones um one of the more hilarious ones is like this eco-terrorist guy who (laughs) keeps like trying to accuse you of destroying the local flora and fauna through exploding shit whereas he's just going around with like rocket launchers and grenades trying to kill you and (laughs) doing far more damage than you ever have um it's it's good stuff um but yeah, it's uh it's pretty neat that they decided to layer in sort of sort of a more heavy duty mechanical combat aspect into this uh restaurant and farming sim. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wonder if they actually wait a little too long for kind of like a boss fight. Like I remember fighting the pirates with the dolphins, the dolphin couple and all that for some of the quests you do. Um so you th- you know, do go through some battles and whatnot, but I feel like they almost hold back too much on that. Um, hmm. They wait too long to be like, "And we have bosses.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, they may because it sounds like you you may have not even come across it. The first one I remember is the um, there's a giant squid that you have to fight to retrieve um, a doll for Duff. Um, I think I have that in my notes as my first like official boss with like a title card. So nope. if you didn't if you didn't get to that, then you probably didn't get get through that um, or get to see like a real live boss. But um, I will say there are many. So you, you if you do manage to you know uh, get back to this game and, and see some of that, just know that's the tip of the iceberg. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because like a boss obviously implies a combat focus, which the whole game up to that point doesn't really have. Like you can hunt a shark or run away from them.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll say you're right about that, but I wouldn't say this game has a combat focus, you know, like it, no, it is no. an, an aspect of the adventure game. I think it's more of like a cinematic set piece to top off uh, a, an arc of the adventure game aspect than it is to say like, uh, yes, suddenly we're pivoting this fishing and restaurant management sim into combat. It is absolutely not that. Like this is, there's nothing like groundbreaking about fighting the bosses in this game. It's just something that is, Slightly more cinematic than taking out the great white shark that you know prowls around the bottom of the initial area.
0: No, <laughs> oh, I like how you call it the cinematic set piece. I kind of agree with that. It's not like, you know, you get twelve hours into the game and you get a dodge button or anything. Right. Right? You're like, okay, this <laughs> no, is how it's no. going now. Yeah, nothing as far like as that. I know.
1: I mean, you. Maybe uh, you misspoke slightly there. You do get like a a speed boost that will jet you out of the way of certain things, so you do kind <laughs> of get a dodge. <laughs> but um, no, it's a. It, it, I don't think it it become it be, doesn't not become suddenly like a underwater combat game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think the game stays pretty true to the loop that it's setting up up top and layers in those sort of main pillars um, on top of that and, and to that to my mind continues to be the strength of this game is the combination of those three and how they they interplay. So as we so as we take our discussion of Dave and his uh, exploration of the blue hole to its conclusion, let us fish up some three word reviews.
0: Alright, my three-word review is Deep Sea Stardew. Dave the Diver was a fun surprise that featured colorful environments, a chill soundtrack, interesting mechanics, and excellent pixel art animations. The game layered mechanic on top of mechanic, introducing them gradually so as not to overwhelm the player. It wears its casualness on its sleeve, bringing lots of upgrades, lots of collectibles, and a heaping helping of juice. Thankfully no microtransactions. It reminds me in some ways of Stardew Valley, a game that also featured leisurely layers. Like Stardew, I don't think that any of the varied game systems in Dave the Diver were particularly deep or challenging in and of themselves, but I should also note that I'm only eight hours into the game. I think the game slowed down the pace of the story in order to cater to the more casual crowd. It slowed it down too much for me, particularly when I couldn't figure out where to find a particular shipwreck. I lost the momentum of progressing the story and eventually retreated back to the surface. But for a particular type of player, I think this could be a game of the year.
1: I agree. My three-word review is Deeper Restaurant Sim. On the surface, Dave the Diver is a charming restaurant simulator where you serve what you retrieve on your dives. The vibes and art are off the charts, and the mechanics are tight and well-integrated. Beneath the surface, however, Dave the Diver just keeps getting deeper. I thought once I'd cleared the first few chapters that I'd seen what the game had on offer and would be done with it. But to my surprise, despite its casual game roots and aesthetics, there is a wealth of new systems, challenges, secrets, and features that continue to emerge as you explore the Blue Hole. I think this is mirrored neatly by the fact that while this game looks like an indie game on its surface, It is actually the product of a company formed by industry veterans and capitalized by South Korean publishing juggernaut, Nexon. More so than most games, it pays to look deeper at Dave the Diver. And in this case, providing a talented team with calm, well-funded waters in which to work yielded a truly bountiful catch. Thumbs up from me.
0: Nice, Nice.
1: And with that, I want to say thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to share it with folks you think might enjoy it as well. If you want to get in touch, drop us a note at pixelatedplaygrounds at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter at pixelplaypod. And for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skersha.
0: I'm Josh Skalecki. Take care
1: and keep on diving.
0: I feel like, yeah, you said you've seen that phone UI a bunch, but I've never seen, I think, anything like it in other games. And it just makes so much sense. How how have people not been doing this for 10 years?
1: I have news for you, but they have. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you miss a lot of evolution in game design when you don't see the mobile market because there's so many things on mobile. And a lot of them uh, also get released on console, but a lot of them don't. Um, you know, I think, what is the current count of games on the App Store? Four hundred and sixty thousand games on the iOS App Store in 2022, right. as of 2022. A 20 percent increase in the and the total at the same time of the prior year. So we're increasing at a 20 percent clip year over year. O- almost a half a million games live and active on the iOS App Store, <laughs> and that is just the ones that survived the purge to the 32 or the 64-bit os update back a few years back um so yeah there's just a lot of games and a lot of iteration going on in in the ios and mobile game space that yeah you just don't see if you're not in that marketplace i guess
0: one thing i did really enjoy with this game was the music oh fuck we forgot to talk about the music (laughs) (laughs) i can still hear the uh waiting on the boat song yeah, this game's
1: music is incredible. Uh, Dantony Wooten, uh, Shuukio, Kalio, and Stefan Moe, who serve up a soundtrack that includes everything from island strings and ukuleles to lo-fi hip-hop to techno and electronic music, and all of it hits. It is just all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's really, truly a, a wonderful soundtrack, and I'm sure... The listener has heard many of the tracks throughout the course of this recording. Uh, it would be remiss of us not to mention the talents of these composers.
0: Mm-hmm. If I notice the soundtrack for a game, then you know it's something good.
1: <laughs> yes, this is true. Uh, the Josh seal of approval. <laughs>